Okay, so before I get into the main passage this morning, I want to kind of go back to the first of Titus. Paul's writing here kind of gives us a good background. Paul wrote this around AD 65, and I think a lot of times we don't, or at least I don't, think about how close to Christ's death and resurrection that was, right? And so Paul, Paul wrote this to Titus in AD 65, and it's something that we can apply to our lives. So, so Paul's the author, wrote it to Titus. So who was Titus? Do we know? He was a Gentile converted to Christianity um, by Paul. And so to get a background, I'm going to look at the first four um, verses of chapter 1. It says, I'll read it and then talk about it a little bit. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth, which is according to godliness, and the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago. But at the proper time manifested even his word in the proclamation with which I was entrusted according to the commandment of God, our Savior. To Titus, my true child, in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. So I like Paul because he kind of announces his letters, right? We see who the author is because he says it, and we see who he's writing to because he says it. He starts says, Paul, a bondservant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ. And then I love verse 2, love it. In the hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised long ages ago. In the hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised long ages ago. That's such a powerful verse. And then in verse 4, he tells us that he's indeed writing to Titus. He says, to Titus, my true child in a common faith. So we know in those first four verses, we get the author, we get who he's writing to, and so it sets up the rest of the book. So let's flip over to chapter 2, 11 through 15, so that we can see uh, this is the main passage. I'll start by reading through it, and then we can kind of dive into it. We're going to break it down and look at what he's writing. I love it because there's so much in this passage. We see kind of what Christ did, his instruction to believers, as believers what we're supposed to do, and then we see our hope, and, and, and because of that hope, what, what we should do. So I'll start by reading it. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds." These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Okay, so he starts writing. He says, for the grace of God has appeared. So what's the grace of God? Or better, who is the grace of God? Jesus, right? So the grace of God has appeared. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the grace of God has appeared. And does what? Bringing salvation to all men. So what did Jesus do? He brought salvation to all men. How? Right? Death and resurrection. And then Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, that's where we see this, the gospel, right? For I delivered, delivered you as a first importance that what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to Scripture, that he was buried, and he was raised again on the third day according to the Scripture. So Christ came, he died, was raised, and he brings salvation to all men by faith in him for eternal life. So since... Christ died, 
Since he rose again, brought salvation to all men, as believers, what should we do? Let's look on. It says, instructing, for the grace of God has appeared, bring salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. So as believers, we're to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. So what are worldly desires? The Greek here um, for worldly desires, the word used is actually the word for passions, which I think kind of describes it a little better when we put it in that context. Worldly passions are exactly what they sound like. Worldly is the opposite of heavenly, right? So uh, we're to deny worldly desires, and desires, this is like a passionate longing for something. So the idea is that we should deny worldly passions. Instead, what should we do? We read on. So we get, we're, we're to deny ungodliness, we're to deny worldly desires, but what should we do? And to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. So sensibly. In the Greek, this is really kind of with sound mind. Strong's Greek, when you look it up, it has the idea of sober, prudent, with moderation. That's how we're to live. And then righteously and godly. So this is how we should live. So since Jesus Christ, the grace of God, has appeared and brought salvation as believers, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, as believers, then we should deny ungodliness and worldly desires and live with sound mind, righteously, and godly. Right? So how do we do this? So in another one of Paul's letters, Galatians 5, 16, and 17, we kind of get this, right? He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another. So if we're walking in the Spirit, we will deny ungodliness and worldly desires. We'll live sensibly, righteously, and godly. Right? The flesh is ungodliness. The flesh, worldly desires. But if we walk in the Spirit, we live sensibly, righteously, and godly. So how do we walk in the Spirit? We've got to study the Word, right? We study the Word. We pray. We meditate on Scripture. We memorize Scripture. We put Scripture into our minds so that we're ready and we have that available anytime we're talking to somebody, anytime we're trying to teach. Having scripture on your mind and memorizing it, I'd say all the time, it kind of gives you, when you're talking to someone, a little bit of instant credibility, right? This person knows what they're talking about. And as believers, we should be able to do that. That's not a basis for salvation. And none of this, after we talk about what Christ has done, how we get eternal life, this is what we're called to do as believers, that discipleship aspect. So we must study the Word, we must pray, we must memorize Scripture, all of these spiritual disciplines. That's how we know and accomplish walking in the Spirit. Then I like that in this present age, just something we're to do now, right? Sensibly, God, righteously, godly in this present age. We're called to do that now as believers. Right? He's writing to Titus, he's saying, Titus, you've got to do this now, but we can glean from this and say, as a believer, we're also to do this. So let's read on. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. So 
So, what are we to do? As we're sanctified, as we walk in the Spirit, as we deny ungodliness and worldly desires, as we live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age, we're to look for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus. I love that. The blessed hope. We have hope. As Christians, we have hope. Unbelievers can't have hope. And when you look at the world around us, I'm sure glad that I've got the hope of the appearing of the glory of my great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. So we're told to look forward to Christ's coming. That's our blessed hope. One day, Christ will rapture his church, right? Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians. I'll read what he says. 1 Thessalonians four sixteen through 18, he says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. That idea of hope, comfort, to me, kind of go together. And if you've gone to Stillwater Bible for any amount of time and listened to JB's teaching on this, you, you know that after the rapture, there's a seven-year period of time called the tribulation that I'm very thankful that I don't have to endure as a believer right? And then after, we got the second coming of Christ, right? God, Christ will then come back to earth. And all this is our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. This is what we look forward to. This is what we as believers, as we live by the instruction, the reason Christ came, right, to pay for sins, to give us eternal life through faith in him, then we live that out, right? We want to be disciples, and we do all of that and have this hope that we look forward to. So because of all of this, the grace of God has appeared. He has instructed us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. He's instructed us to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. We look to his rapture and second coming for hope. Why is our hope in him? It tells us, so we'll read on. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed. Christ came to earth as the perfect man, lived a perfect sinless life, so he could be our perfect substitute payment for sin. And by doing this, he paid for sin, rose again, conquered death, and in faith in him, we get eternal life. He paid and redeemed us from every law of sin, every deed, sin. Why? To purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. I love this because sometimes I think we think about, you know, faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life, but sometimes I'm guilty of not thinking that he actually had a reason that he did this too, right? He redeemed us to purify us. For his possession, right? We're not ours. We're not, we're, we're not our own. We're his possession at this. And then to be zealous for good deeds. As believers, we belong to Christ. We're his. His desire is for us to be zealous for good deeds. Zealous has the idea of being eagerly devoted, eagerly devoted to good deeds, As believers, we're not to just go on, do whatever we want. Christ desires that we would be zealous for good deeds. 
that has no basis, right? That has, that, that has nothing to do with our eternal life salvation. But as a believer, we should be zealous for good deeds. Christ desires that we would be disciples. He wants us to use our gifts, our talents, and our abilities to serve him, to be devoted to good deeds. And then chapter 2 ends with this instruction. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. We're to speak these things and let no one disregard. This literally means let no one look down on you. We should be confident in this message. He says, speak these things. Do not let anyone look down on you. The idea is be confident in this. this. Take this to the world. Take this message. So we're going to have plenty of time in our groups. It's almost 10. We're going to go through some applications, and then I want us to break into our groups and, and kind of talk through this, flesh it out a little bit, and some, some practical application, right? Because of all of this, then what do we do? So let's go through the applications real quick. I've got four of them. One, let us live by the instruction of Jesus Christ. That's to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. And that's to live sensibly, righteously, and godly. Number two, let us look to the blessed hope. Christ will come again for his church, and we will live with him forever. That gives me hope. I don't know about you, but that's some pretty great hope to look forward to. Number three, let us be disciples of Christ, zealous for good deeds. Let's, let's live it out. Let's live our faith out. Let's be zealous, eagerly devoted for good deeds. And number four, may we be confident in this message as we make disciples. We need to evangelize. We need to train others.